1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bravo Docket. This is going to be a special episode because Angela and I just got back from BravoCon, and we just had the absolute best time. So we're going to do kind of a combo episode where we talk about who we met, who we saw, and sort of link them to legal updates. You guys have been asking us to cover a wide range of topics, so we kind of found ways to weave them into the experiences we had at BravoCon. And that is what we're going to do today. Before we dive into that, though, let's just talk about our BravoCon experience generally. I want to start by saying I recognize that it was an expensive event. We were fortunate enough to attend. We paid, but we were fortunate enough to attend. So we just want to share with everyone that couldn't attend our experiences. But it was an awesome event overall. What do you think?
0: I was really grateful to be able to go. It, of course, like these things always do, ended up happening at the worst time. So I got back from BravoCon and immediately was into a week full of depositions. So if my voice sounds odd today, that's one of the reasons why I'm starting to lose it a little bit again. I had the best time. Sessie and I bonded so much. It was the most time Ceci and I have gotten to spend together in person since we started the podcast and then that happened in connection with Bravocon and having this great experience. It was great. I loved it. Yeah.
1: All right. And we'll we'll, we'll talk more about it as we get through. So The first thing we want to talk about is Gensha. I think that was probably the most explosive story that came out of the weekend. So, Angela and I did a live. It was our first live on Instagram ever on Friday night. And during the live, many of you were messaging us saying Jen Shah's on a live right now with Tamara and Teddy talking about how she's only going to get two to three years in camp. And we didn't watch the live. We asked people to send it to us. I don't know where that live went. I haven't seen it since. But that is how we learned that Jen Shah was there that weekend. But we had also learned that she was disinvited by Bravo and we learned more as the weekend went on why
0: that was.
1: So it was a bit shocking to hear that she was there.
0: Yeah, I was I was very surprised that she was there. I think we've mentioned this before, but as you guys know, when you're awaiting sentencing and you've pled guilty, in most circumstances in federal court, you've got to get permission to travel out of state. So she would have had to have gotten permission to travel to New York City and Typically, you have to assert a good reason for traveling. It can't just be like, well, I just feel like going. It's got to be a valid reason for traveling. So we looked at the docket for Jen's case to see if there was a request made by her for permission to travel and we didn't see one. That doesn't mean it's not there. But if you look at the other defendants on the docket on PACER, it's very obvious. It's request by defendant Cameron Brewster to travel, blah, blah, blah. I would assume that she wouldn't travel and then appear publicly if she didn't have permission to do so. Yeah, I agree with that. (laughs) Yeah, Because
1: she also had to travel for the show, like they just went to Arizona for a cast trip. And we don't see the request for that either. So wondering if maybe she had sort of a standing order that if it was related to Bravo and her filming, she could travel. But I don't see it. That's just speculation.
0: I what do you think her. <laughs> about her saying Max three years at camp? Maybe she's repeating what she was told
1: by her attorneys, but I think you made the point that she's trying to compare it to what Teresa may have gotten.
0: Yeah. There's no way I she knows that yet. She can know what her attorneys are going to argue for and the basis for those arguments. Obviously, that's something they would have discussed saying, here's why we're making an argument for this amount of time. And here's why we think there's the basis for what may be a downward departure from sentencing guidelines in this instance. But I don't know. I mean, if you've listened to our sentencing episodes, people on the much lower levels got more time than three years. Now, a lot of them had prior criminal records, but some of them, some of them didn't. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah. There's just no way that Jen Shaw knows how long she's
1: going to jail for and which jail it is because her sentencing hasn't happened yet. And that happens in December now. So I think she was just repeating maybe what she's been told or some wishful thinking. But there's no way she knows that for sure at all. And then we were also told by Tamara during BravoCon, not not face to face, but at (laughs) one of the panels, Tamara mentioned that Jen was bragging that she wouldn't go to jail at all or said something Like, I'm not going to jail. And I took that with a grain of salt because it seemed kind of icky to me how Tamara, from the very little I saw on the live, was partying it up with Jen. And then the next day sort of aired all her dirty laundry to all of BravoCon. So I'm taking it with a grain of salt because I just don't like how that played out. And maybe Jen was excited that her sentencing hearing got pushed to December and she's saying, I'm not going to jail in the next month. (laughs) Yeah, that's entirely possible. Maybe that's what she was trying to get across. Right. Yeah, and it just,
0: it got taken out of context. But that's my thought. I think that's a completely reasonable thought. I don't recall hearing anyone say that they heard Jen Shaw say she wasn't going to jail on the live. People were saying that she was Saying on the live with Tamara that she was going to camp and that it was going to be two or three years or something. But I agree with you.
1: Yeah. And then we actually saw Jen Shaw out and about, and that was that was surreal. Both (laughs) of us were like, whoa. Because we heard she was in the vicinity. We didn't expect to actually run into her and share a dance floor with her. (laughs) Right. She did not talk to us. I mean, she no. She, we didn't we, talk to her. No either, one knows though. who we are. So Yeah, yeah. It's not like she's going to pick us out of a crowd and be like, you talk about me on a podcast. So <laughs> she might whatever. have seen the Hulu special
0: about her that we were on with our faces and names. She said she didn't watch it. She I said she believe- didn't watch it. I don't no know. There's no way she didn't watch it.
1: Anyway, she didn't recognize us. But we're also not like stars. So right. whatever. She was there partying, having a good time. I'm fine with her enjoying her time how she needs to before her sentencing. It was just my initial reaction to seeing her and seeing her partying and getting down. And I didn't see her drinking, but my initial reaction was, what is she doing here Mm -hmm. while she is awaiting her sentencing? What is she doing here? What were your Mm -hmm. thoughts?
0: It was at the very end of the night. And full disclosure, I had had multiple drinks at that point. So it was almost like seeing... A mythical creature out in the wild where I was like, is that really what I'm looking at right now? We'd seen so many Bravo celebrities at this party we were at that it was, it was, it's almost like you see these people on TV all the time and you binge watch old episodes when you're tired or hung over on the weekends. And then all of a sudden they're in front of you just walking around doing stuff. But I was I was still just completely shocked seeing her at the end of the night. I, did, I I almost thought I was hallucinating at one point because I was like, is that really happening? Is she really right there? She's three feet from me. Is she right there? Is this happening?
1: That is a really good way to put it the, the entire weekend. It's like seeing someone that you feel like you know and you're like, is this happening in front of me? Is that person real? I don't know. The way I coped was just to drink more because I was so anxious <laughs> and in disbelief. <laughs> probably not the best way to cope but i wish i would have done some like grounding exercises to really remember and focus i was just trying not to be seen really i was like i just want to be here and enjoy <laughs> yeah yeah but, yeah there were other bravo lebs there that pointed out hey jen Shah's over there dancing and it was like
0: whoa i will say even that the other said, bravo celebrities seemed yeah, surprised
1: to see her there totally Totally. And so we also went to the Salt Lake City panel, which was one of the best of the weekends, in in my opinion. And Jen Shaw was not in attendance. And we later learned that the reason she was not in attendance the entire weekend or o- official attendance the entire weekend was because Bravo decided to end their engagement with her after she pled guilty. My initial reaction to that was, OK, but then I thought about it more and And I got kind of pissed off on behalf of Jen Shaw, and I know that sounds wild given the fact that we have reported on her for so long and know the crimes she committed and she's admitted to these crimes, but come on, Bravo. You're going to have morals all of a sudden when it comes to Jen Shaw, but ignore so many other things. And we've talked about this more, and I kind of have a feeling of another reason why they might have done it, but... What was your initial reaction?
0: To me, I think that's a fairly standard thing in the types of contracts that they have, where if you commit, I feel confident there's not a, anything in there about misdemeanors, because then I don't think any housewife would be on TV. But if you commit some sort of serious felony or plea guilty to something like that, then they can terminate your contract. I am confident that her counsel probably would not have wanted her to be there. But then on the other hand, I could see how she would have a strong argument for She has to pay all this restitution. So why wouldn't she she be able to come and fulfill her contract and get paid so she can pay more restitution to victims? I don't know if it was Bravo trying to be have a, a sort of moral stance on it. I'm wondering if she was saying the whole time, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. And then, I don't know, I'm kind of rambling now because... Every time I start to feel sorry for her, I think back to the recordings I've heard of the telemarketers scamming helpless old people out of stuff and then I get mad. So, I'm just rambling right. now. I should stop talking. No, I know, no, you're making great points.
1: And that was the other thing I was going to mention was that I think maybe her time on the show was conditioned on her innocence because mm. I think maybe she told them, "I'm innocent, I'm innocent, I'm innocent." And they were like, "Okay, we're going to believe you. We're renegotiating your contract for next year. You have to maintain your innocence or else you're off the show. Or not maintain. They weren't telling her you have to maintain your innocence. They're saying we're believing that you're innocent. So we're going to keep you on the show. And then as soon as she pled guilty, they were like, you've breached your contract, which I don't remember who we heard from. But it seemed to be that her pleading guilty was a surprise to everyone. I don't remember who
0: told us that. I I don't remember either, but here's the thing I think about that. So Bravo kept filming her. They were filming up into her trial date. They immediately started filming the second season of Salt Lake City, which if you've read Not All Diamonds and Rosé, the only other time they've done that was for Teresa and I think very recently Beverly Hills. So, and that's super stressful on all the cast members. It's stressful on all the producers and I... I think that they were anticipating to get a trial out of this and the footage and publicity out of that. And I, this is pure speculation on my part. But if Jen at the last minute decided in her own self-interest to plea guilty, then she surprised all of her castmates. She surprised Bravo. Now they're not getting the publicity from the trial. And they have spent an entire season filming someone who's admitted to defrauding elderly people. So... I can see how Bravo would be justifiably mad about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we can.
1: (laughs) We're taking both sides here. We're arguing both sides as attorneys do. And then we also learned that she will not be attending the reunion and that Andy's open to having a one-on-one sit down with her. And people were like, how can that be if she's being pulled out of the show? How can you have a sit down with her? And that's a totally different thing. It's one thing to be a cast member on a TV show. It's another thing to have a special films about you. They can end their relationship with her as a housewife but still be interested in getting her side of the story as a person who's no longer on the show. So,
0: right. I mean, one thing that in Not All Diamonds and Rosé, which by the way is fantastic. If you haven't gotten that and you're a housewives fan, I I definitely recommend it. because There's Are so Dave much Quinn? Yeah, there's so much intel in there and Having written summary judgment motions where you have to take statements from different people and weave it into a story, I can tell you there was so much work spent weaving those stories together. And it's so well done. And it is really told from the standpoint of the housewives and the producers. So one thing, you know, with Teresa, Teresa had her own specials. But also from reading that, Teresa was very forthright with Bravo about what was going on at the time. So... Teresa was able to do that. And because of that, Teresa was able to pay all of her restitution, pay her legal fees, pay her husband's legal fees, and help save her house and keep things for her daughters. All right. So
1: on that note, her sentencing and hearing got pushed to December. And we will be doing a prequel episode to that to explain sentencing again. We'll go over her sentencing submission. We'll go over the government's sentencing submission. We'll again discuss what might be discussed at the sentencing hearing, and then we'll do a sentencing hearing episode. We're going to be all over it, breaking it down for all of you. How do you think her being there affects her sentencing?
0: I don't know. I it, I don't think it helped, especially the live that she did with Tamara. I, I don't I don't think that was helpful. It'll be really interesting to see what the U.S. attorneys are going to argue at her sentencing and if they're going to use her lack of contrition and refusal to accept responsibilities for her actions on the show and then in her behavior afterwards. I I don't know. We'll just have to see. Yeah. All
1: right. So the next thing I wanted to talk about was Lisa Barlow's SEC filings, and this was raised by Meredith Marks on the season of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I think it was brought up episode one, sort of when Meredith was talking, I think, to Heather or Whitney about things in Lisa's past. I don't remember the reason she brought this up. I think it was one of the retaliation points that Meredith brought up in conversation. Do you
0: remember It was in a talking head that I recall her talking about it, and she brought up Lisa's filings with the Security Exchange Commission, which are public filings that companies have to make, for example, if they're publicly traded or in other certain circumstances, and you are required by law to make these disclosures, and you have to be completely honest in them. And if you're not honest in the disclosures, then you could be guilty of defrauding your shareholders, Or something like that. Meredith didn't make any of those accusations. Basically, Meredith didn't say that any of Lisa's companies were being dishonest in their filings, but she tried to bring up a discrepancy about a company that's not Vita Tequila. Is that right?
1: I think what she said was, look up Vita, look up their SEC filings. I think that's Mm -hmm. how she said it. She didn't make any connection. She just left it in the wind. And then we got a bunch of questions to our account, like, what is up with the SEC filings? I'm going to be honest, I don't like anything about securities. (laughs) (laughs) I uh, do not. I remember in law school, we had to take biz orgs, like business organizations. And then the follow-up class was securities. And I was like, why the heck would I take that? I'm never going to be a (sighs) secure. Hell no. But I have to say, it was kind of fun reading through this. It reminds me of like the bankruptcy filings that we've had to read through for prior episodes. So it's fun to read through. So we looked it up. It has nothing to do with Vita Tequila. It's for a company called Ciudad Tequila, or a product called Ciudad Tequila, which is a separate tequila company, but it is under Jack Henry Spirit's LLC. And that is Lisa Barlow and John Barlow's company. And so Which I think is really cute. <laughs> it's super cute. And so, like Angela said, you do have to file SEC filings for informing your investors what is going on with your company. And in this instance, they filed, not because they're a publicly traded company, they filed because they conducted crowdfunding through a micro ventures website. So it's not the same as crowdfunding when you're trying to raise hospital bills for someone. This is sort of for the purpose of investing into businesses.
0: So I will say I'm also not a securities lawyer. The only time I've used SEC filings is in fodder for examination questions in a deposition, because if you file a lawsuit saying one thing and then your SEC filings, which you have attested to be true to the Securities and Exchange Commission, say something else, then that's a problem. So I've weaponized them, but I'm not a securities attorney. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: You can just Google this and find it. Like Angela mentioned, it's totally public and you can read through it. And it includes the risks that the company's facing where they're primarily selling, distribution issues, and then it has a full budget sheet in the bottom. So you can really learn a lot about a company by looking at their SEC filing. So it it was filed because Jack Henry, the company, closed a regulation crowdfunding campaign And when you're going public or do crowdfunding like this, the point is to let investors know the status of your company and the potential risks involved. So reading through the filing, they show they have valid trademarks in the name. Say they sell with Total Minds exclusively. They provide the risks, which I thought were really interesting. Like sometimes distribution companies aren't performing the same way we are. Or sometimes companies are out of the items that we need to make our product, like the glass for the models. Sometimes the intellectual property rights, there might be issues with that. We're trying to do our best with getting those all tightened up, but issues could arise. So it's interesting to read and learn more about the company. I think maybe what Meredith was trying to pick up on was the balance sheet. Again, I don't like this stuff. <laughs> I don't like reading balance sheets and such. However, it reads from what I can tell that they raised $45,000 that then went into promoting the brand and that there was also a loan to shareholder of $100,000. Upon further investigation I read that this happens companies making loans to shareholders as long as they're paying taxes on the loans appropriately as long as their finances are in order that's where my due diligence ends. They haven't well, also, been Also any... she
0: disclosed it, which is the yeah. point of the SEC filing. <laughs> right. So she disclosed it. And she's honest with the shareholders. You know, if, if she had if they had made that loan and then not disclosed it, that'd be an issue. But it's it's publicly available. They made the loan and then they properly disclosed it. So that's not a problem. Now, I just want to point out, I do completely understand why Meredith is so upset. I'd be very upset if I had a friend for 10 years and they got caught on that hot mic moment saying something like that about me. I get it. I understand mm-hmm. why Meredith is so upset. But I want to make another point, which is that Meredith is an incredibly smart woman. And so if she's digging for dirt on Lisa and this is what she's finding, this isn't really bad. (laughs) No, no. Yeah. And I also
1: want to note that this also, like we've said, isn't Vita; It's for Ciudad Tequila. And these filings don't mean that they're not doing well. This was filed December 2019. This business could be jumping off. Businesses go up and down in profits and losses and All that jazz. All that jazz I didn't learn about in law school. (laughs) But yeah, it's all publicly available. You can go Google Sudad Tequila SEC Filing and find this and read it for yourself. And yeah, it's all out there. Right. If someone was trying to hide something, they wouldn't put it out there. So sorry that wasn't more savory for or unsavory for our listeners, (laughs) but it is what it is. And that being said, we met both Lisa and Meredith. And both were very nice and really great to talk to. We had really good conversations with both of them. Lisa's been a
0: rock star. John Barlow, very supportive husband. I loved seeing that. I loved seeing the supportive husbands. You can tell John Barlow and Lisa Barlow genuinely like and support each other. The same thing with Whitney and Justin. Who was the other supportive husband we saw? Shane and Emily. Shane and Emily. She- it's. I actually thought it was so cute seeing. I mean, I did not like Shane the first seasons that I watched him. I'm just gonna be honest. But then seeing the way he was looking at Emily while she was up there getting her picture taken, it was really cute. Like he you was, can like, tell, taking they videos for her. It was like, so cute. Yeah. yeah, they like each other. It's. it's yeah. Good to
1: see. It is really good to see. Yeah, I I, I liked those interactions a lot and. I heard like Justin cried at one of the panels like watching Whitney Aww. on stage. It's really sweet. That that yeah. was a really good part of BravoCon a highlight of BravoCon for sure.
0: And it was unexpected I think for it to be so heartwarming seeing the men that were there to support their wives. Also, Dubai, Caroline Stanberry and her husband, we met them and they were very supportive of each other and very oh. right next to each other. Super sweet. And we saw a lot of them behind the scenes and they were still very supportive behind the scenes.
1: Oh, Candace um, and
0: her husband. Yes. Candace and Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Like after
1: BravoCon, they were kind of off to the side at a bar just enjoying their company. It was You really saw sweet. Teresa and Louis? Oh, I saw Teresa and Louis. That one was a little different. That was pre BravoCon and she was yelling at him. But he was standing in line at Sephora for her. So
0: she That's was laugh. yelling at him meanly. She was no, just like, <laughs> let's go. Jen Aiden and Bill were together when we saw them and they were cute together.
1: All right. Should we move on?
0: Yeah. So we learned a
1: little bit more about cast contracts and we won't name how we figured this out. It was through talking with a Bravo Lab. And this might not be the same for housewives versus non-housewives, et cetera, et cetera. But we learned just a little bit more. You want to talk about it?
0: Yeah. So with the cast contract that we learned about, there are 5% raises every year. Again, this might differ between shows, but this seemed to be confirmed by a non-housewife and housewife. And I guess that's fairly not standard in entertainment contracts where typically you get to fully renegotiate them every year or they're like, yeah, this is our contract, but we want to renegotiate. And I guess... Bravo doesn't really, according to what we learned, uh, do that the same way. And then do you want to talk about the Bethany clause? Um, Yeah, but before that, I do want to
1: confirm how I found out the housewife thing. And I'm not going to name names, but I went up to this housewife and I was like, this is your first BravoCon, right? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, isn't it wild to kind of see all your fans in one room? Not all of them, but like a, a big number of your fans. Because it's one thing, I think, to be on a show and know that people watch but to see everyone there, like, cheering and yelling for you, isn't that, like, weird? Like, you're seeing the, the, the attraction that your show has. And I was like, girl, you should renegotiate your contract. <laughs> and, like, her and her friend there made, like, an eye at me, like, rolled their eyes, like, we know. And I was just like, yeah, I feel you." And we said the same to Glenn, Captain Glenn.
0: Captain Glenn was so cute. First of all, the whole thing is just like entertaining to him in a really nice way. You can tell he doesn't take it super seriously. It has definitely not gone to his head. I said something to him like, blow deck is by far some of the highest ratings of all of Bravo Y'all should be getting paid the most. And he looked at me and he's like, we have high ratings. He literally had no idea. He pays no attention. You can tell he's just kind of fascinated about the whole thing. He was super nice. He talked about his girlfriend. He was just really a lovely person.
1: All right. And then we learned about the Bethany clause. So again, this is just from what we were told. We're not going to name names. So apparently after the business that is relying upon their likeness on the show – makes $1 million, Bravo then gets 10% of the revenue. So they're not taking a piece of the company. And I I know this all from Shark Tank. I'm a big Shark Tank fan. I love Shark Tank. So I was like, okay, they're not not taking a, a, a share of the business. They're taking a share of the revenue once the business is profitable, which means that they don't get any of the risk involved with these Bravo businesses that really fail. Yeah. So that was interesting.
0: Yeah. I can we talk about our our Marlowe purchases for a second?
1: Which I still haven't gotten
0: mine. So we were, of course, walking through the booths at BravoCon and when I usually when I go to an event like this, i I kind of usually want to pick out like one thing to buy. And I'm an auntie and Marlo had these adorable silk pajamas that say Rich anti Club, and then have dollar signs, and they're so cute. It's a little pant and long-sleeved pajama set, and then it comes with a cute little matching eye mask, and so I had to have that. Sessie bought a shirt. You want to talk about your shirt? Yeah, so I had seen it hanging up, like, the day prior, and I was like, I got to go
1: back and get it, and it's a shirt, and it says, From Rags to Riches, and the front that says From Rags has Marlo's mugshot on it, and the back has, like, a photo of her in, like, full glam. And I just love the idea of anyone that can <laughs> profit off of their mugshot. Now, in hindsight, what are the optics going to be of me wearing a shirt with a mugshot around San Francisco <laughs> as I walk my dog? But whatever.
0: It's a really um, cute shirt. And you're supporting and Marlo. And as somebody who grew up in Florida, <laughs> I will always respect Marlo for surviving the Florida foster care system. I cannot tell you. I Marlo gets a big pass for me for a lot of things for that. Also... Sessie's shirt, shirt, mu- do you want to talk about how much your shirt was?
1: <laughs> yeah, but before I say that, her crime was pretty awful. So we can't sweep that under the rug. However, yeah, my shirt was
0: $65. So Sessie got her shirt first. I grabbed the pajamas and I literally purposely turned away because I did not want to see how much they were charging my American Express card after I found out Sessie's shirt was $60. It's like, I'm not going to look. I want the pajamas. I still haven't looked. Which is fine. It's fine. You know, what? they have to make money. And you know what? I have worn them three times. They're super cute, and I love them, so I don't yeah. care.
1: Oh, can I add one more thing about Vida? Yeah. So Vida Tequila, the, we can. I can just cut this and paste it over. Yeah. So the again, the SEC filing was not about Vida Tequila, but I'd never bothered to go on their website because I felt like I heard a lot about it through the show. But I went on their website this morning, and it's a legit website. It's not like some of the other websites that you see go through the show. Like this is a legit product. I figured as much cuz i figured it's difficult to make a tequila but have you looked at the website? No, should i look at it? Yeah, just look at it. It's pretty legit. I was like, "Oh, this is a really well-done website."
0: Mhm. Have you tried it? No. I didn't I haven't I but didn't I get like a chance to. to like try it either. I did try Dorinda's Bluestone Manor. They didn't have it. They didn't have it at They uh, didn't have it at BravoCon. Okay. I mean, she's this I think was already a successful company, so she probably didn't want to like pay the bra I don't know how that works but no 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 she said why she's
2: millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom like Evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right for me that wasn't an option I never really was a salad guy that's just not who I am but Noom worked for me get your personalized plan today at Noom.com
1: legal team. Have you guys been on Quince's website recently? I shopped on there like three years ago for the first time and bought myself a bunch of cashmere sweaters. I lived in the black cashmere sweater, lived in it. And I hadn't shopped on there for a while because my cashmere sweaters lasted for a really long time. But I decided to go back on there and oh my gosh, have they completely expanded everything that they offer. The workwear, they have washable silk. And I mean it's so affordable. I also shared with you all that I'm recently engaged and I'm in the middle of wedding planning. So anytime I'm shopping, I'm thinking about wedding, 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 wedding. And they have everything I need for the wedding. I just booked my honeymoon. We're gonna go to Southeast Asia. It's gonna be hot there. And I've been looking for good linen pieces. Guess what? Quince has good linen pieces and they start at only $30. Then I'm like, okay, we need to get our wedding bands. You know who has fine jewelry now? 14 karat gold quince. So I send the link to Avery and I'm like, you have to get your wedding band from here. It's affordable and it looks just like any other wedding band. I mean, it looks great. Another thing I'm doing, again, I have wedding on the brain. I want to look my best. So I'm like, okay, I really want cute little matching sets to go work out in. It's the only way I can get motivated. I have to like wear a cute little matching set. I've gone really into Pilates and guess what? quince has the matching sets they look identical to matching sets i've already purchased from another sports brand they have the same thing and at a fraction of the cost i was able to get two tops and one pair of pants for the same price that i could only get one set at this other sportswear place i mean come on quince is just killing it if you've shopped there before it's time to go back on again they have just completely expanded the categories of goods that they have to offer they're not just all about cashmere sweaters anymore. They've got a ton of stuff and I highly recommend you go check it out. If you're ready to go try out Quince, go to quince.com slash docket to get free shipping and 365 day returns. That is q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash docket to get free shipping and 365 day returns. That is an amazing guarantee on their goods, so go check it out. I highly recommend it guys. said at the she said at the thing. Oh, oh, the glass. Yeah. yeah, okay, they're,
0: like on a glass shortage or something. But anyway, I did try <laughs> Dorinda's Bluestone Manor bourbon, and it was really good. I wanted to buy some, but I didn't want to put it in my suitcase to take it home or pay for the shipping, <laughs> but it was delicious.
1: It was really good. All right, moving on. Okay, so the next thing we want to talk about was Nene leaks. We posted a reel on our Instagram providing a quick 90 second summary on what her lawsuit was about. And this was before, well, this was when the case was still active. And basically, her claims at the highest level, if you're interested in knowing what her claims are, find her complaint. It was like 65 pages. It really just was really well written. And I don't feel like me explaining this in this brief amount of time is going to give it justice, but she essentially alleges that there was a big racial disparity on how Bravo Labs were treated within the network. And it's weird when you read through it because you start to think, wait, maybe there, maybe there is something going on here. And I got the sense that Because one thing that she mentioned was, like, look at the differences in the cast trips. Like, look at where Atlanta goes versus look at where Beverly Hills goes. And I felt that people felt that way during that panel that we went to, the travel panel. Did you feel that But on the travel panel, they
0: said that, like, Kyle Richards said that they have to pay for their own travel. But their travel, but not the location. But, so, so
1: yeah, I guess that was a little... bit the private jet, like... She said if they take a private jet, they're paying for the private jet. I think Bravo only pays for some specific category of ticket. So they have to pay for that, but not the trip or the destination. And that echoes what Nini said in her complaint.
0: That's what's I, on I, the Reddit forums as well. Yeah. I feel like what happened with Nini is honestly one of the tragedies of Bravo. And it makes me sad because she is so beloved and so talented. And I'm sure just like, you know, maybe Vicky, Bravo had concerns with egos or whatever. But I love Nini. She's just so funny and so great. And being there at BravoCon for my first time and having been a fan of Nini's for a long time and then not having her there, there was, I did feel like there was something missing, you know? And I felt like the Atlanta panel that we watched, which was also amazing, You could tell when someone asked a Nini question that the panelists felt like they weren't supposed to answer or were maybe afraid to answer. And I give really a lot of props to Candy because you could tell Candy is like, I'll do it. They're not going to mess with me if I talk about it. And she was like basically saying they're sad and they miss her.
1: Yeah. Kenya also talked about her. Yeah. So we Mm had heard the rumor was that no one was supposed to talk about Nini at BravoCon. And it just so happened to be the first thing that people, the fans, asked about when they opened up the floor of the Atlanta panel for fan questions. And Kenya answered that she wants Nini back. Anyway, so that lawsuit was dismissed without prejudice. So without NeNe prejudice, could bring it back without prejudice. Oh,
0: wow. Which,
1: as a reminder, without prejudice means you can refile the claims.
0: Yes. Erica. Erica. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right.
0: Moving on. Scary Island tea?
1: Yeah. So moving on, on the subject of the vacation panel, which that occurred just before the Real House Ultimate Girls Trip panel occurred. And I think a lot of people missed this panel because they were getting in line for the Ultimate Girls Trip panel. But this panel had some tea. I thought it was one of the best. (laughs) You want to give the Scary
0: Island tea? This panel was great. It had Kyle Richards, Kenya Moore, Luann, the Countess, who is stunningly beautiful in person, and Candace, who I really kind of love. And Mm -hmm. yeah, they talked about the Scary Island tea. And the great thing was, so they had all these people, and then they had their main producers on with them. And we don't get to hear from the producers very often. And the Scary Island producer said that this was the first time he had ever spoken about it. So the way he described it was what was going on with Kelly that, and he, you could tell he was being careful still, but he was like, she was very agitated. And it was one of the first bravo, bravo, fucking bravo moments. And he said that when the scene wasn't going the way that Kelly felt like she wanted it to, or she felt like it was going poorly, that she started just saying, Matt, 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 over and over again, kind of like Denise, bravo, bravo, fucking bravo to try to stop the scene. And that, when we see Bethany yelling, go the fuck to sleep, go to fucking sleep, that's because that's the best way to end the scene is if you just go to bed and stop interacting instead of ruining the scene for everyone else. <laughs> Do
1: you want to talk about like the. Yeah. Yeah. So he's the executive producer from New York, not just Scary Island producer. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. He was there and also said that it wasn't Kelly's decision to leave the island. They had to go in and say, You should go. Last night was a lot. He also kept saying that she kept getting agitated. I remember he used that word and that she was on and off, on and off. And they wanted her to go. And she was like, well, everyone else was agitated, too. And he's like, no, you were the most agitated. So you're going to have to go and got her out of there. And she quit the show the next day, but continued to film the rest of the season and wrote handwritten letters to
0: the cast or to the producers and the crew, yeah, he said it was a lot of handwritten letters, and you could tell that he respected her for writing those notes. So, and it, it, they, I think they were, and it sort of like a thank you and an apology, but he didn't he didn't say exactly what they said.
1: But even seeing the producers interact, there is some they do. You could tell they're like mm-hmm. poking at Beverly Hills. I think mm-hmm. um, with like the treatment Beverly Hills gets, so. Mm-hmm. That was interesting to see that dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The next thing we learned was that Teresa has no prenup. She confirmed it on one of the Watch What Happens Live tapings. Andy straight up asked her, Teresa, did you take my advice? And she said no. So.
0: I know I will freely admit I am a bit of a tray hugger. I think people accusing Teresa of being really stupid about this. I understand why they're saying that. And obviously, if you can, if you looked at our page or heard us talk, we we think prenups are a good idea. However, I do think that Louis has legitimately a lot of money. I have looked at some legal documents, some of his filings and other things. And yes, one of his companies filed for bankruptcy, but he's got a lot of companies. His main company is very successful I think he, he legitimately has a lot more money than Teresa, my opinion. He should then also get a prenup. A prenup right. just protects <laughs> you both. So, But I don't think Teresa was being as stupid about this as everyone else <laughs> thinks she is.
1: All right. So some other highlights of our BravoCon that are tangentially related to law. These have nothing to do with topics <laughs> that you guys have asked about. We just want to bring them up. So Thursday night, I saw Whitney out. And the first thing I told her was, you understood Jen Shaw's charges so well. <laughs> I praised her for understanding them very well. And she said, all I did was read the indictment. And I said, well, clearly that's more than anyone else did. So I gave her her
0: kadoos. Kadoos to Whitney. Where we were in very close proximity to the Bravo celebrities. I didn't really want to bother them. I didn't want to ask them questions. I was just happy to be there. I was very much playing it cool. Even though internally I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. By the last day at the last event, I left and I saw this woman. I was like, oh, she's so pretty. Oh, that's Dolores. Every ounce of playing it cool just left me and... I ran over to her and she's so beautiful in person and I just started completely fangirling and gushing. Dolores, I love you. People ask me who I think would hold up the best under cross-examination and you're always my first answer. and I just think (laughs) you're so great and I have an Italian family and I'm just like saying all of this stuff being ridiculous and she was so sweet and she waited for my Uber with me, you guys. It was so nice. Okay, and then
1: I saw Meredith also on Thursday and I know she follows the Bravo docket. So I was like, hey, I was like, you're a smart ass law degree holder. And we just <laughs> chatted about law and stuff. It was really fun and kept running into her. I think I ran into her like every night.
0: So Thursday night I flew in. My flight got in late. I went to the hotel, which, by the way, we stayed in the Highline Hotel and it was lovely. So pretty. And it was just in the perfect spot. It was just kind of a magical place to stay. I get to the hotel room, and it's like midnight, and Sessie's like, come out, I'm meeting all these people, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I, it's midnight, and I'm in bed with a sandwich. Mm-hmm. I very much had an Emily Simpson moment with my sandwich. And then Sessie is so sweet and tried to FaceTime me when she was talking to Meredith. And I was like, I just did my skincare routine, I'm all shiny, I can't. But you said Meredith was <laughs> so nice, right? So nice. Yeah, really,
1: really nice, really personable so pretty in person yeah super nice but so for me it was 9 p.m because i was coming in from the west coast so i was like i could go all night (laughs) but yeah really really nice everyone was so nice i want to give another shout out to lisa barlow she has been one of my favorite housewives from even before meeting her and just meeting her was so nice she was so sweet so invested in learning about us and then I kept running into her and John Barlow, and they'd be like, oh, and like got really good photos with her and John. And just awesome, really genuine, awesome people. I tried to tell her about my love of Taco Bell, but instead we were chit-chatting about law and stuff. So really, really great people. Emily and Shane?
0: Yeah, we only waited in line for pictures with two people, the v- Emily and Gina, And they both looked amazing. Gina, I'm dying to know who her makeup artist is. Her makeup was so beautiful. And I kept getting distracted looking at her. And then she told me my outfit was cute. And I like blushed. But they were so (laughs) sweet and so nice. And then we talked to Emily. And we were like, hey, you know, we're lawyers, too. And she's like, Shane's right there. And so it's like, we're all lawyers. Hi. But we're hoping maybe we can work out like an interview with Emily, I'd love to talk more with her about her support of the Innocence Project, which is just so great.
1: And then Thursday night was also when I ran into Justin Rose. (laughs) I had no filter by this point. And I was like, we were going to do an episode about you, (laughs) about MLMs. But then I was like, but I can't because we have a a conflict. So anyway, and he was like, well, MLMs aren't illegal. And I was like, we know we were going to explain that.
0: But he was just so nice. So, so nice. Oh, and then we got up to ask a question at one of the Ask Andy panels. One thing I will tell you about this BravoCon is that they definitely did not pre-screen any audience questions. It it was kind of crazy. It was literally anybody that wants to get up and ask a question. Whoever It was just whoever can get to the microphone first. It was all live, obviously, because <laughs> we're all just standing there. And it was zero pre-screening of questions. They
1: need to change that next year. They really need to change that next year. Like I appreciate the... The questions that were good and hard-hitting, but there were some that were just so uncalled for. Yeah. They really need to pre-screen. Anyway.
0: Yeah, I agree. There were some people that were asking questions or making comments like they would on the Internet. And it's like, you know we can all see you, right? We're all looking right at you. (laughs) This is not the Internet. Yeah. So we asked a question, and we asked who Andy thought was the most prepared or had the best receipts for a reunion. And to no surprise, the answer was what? Monique with her binder, which is what I said. Yes. (laughs) And the worst was Wendy with her terrible Xerox. (laughs) And Andy did also talk about (laughs) how it's fun to dismiss evidence, which we completely agree with. If, you know, one of them tries to enter an exhibit into evidence and it's just garbage, it is actually really fun to watch Andy be like, okay, well, that doesn't really do anything. It's not working like you thought it would, but that a way. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and then we had a really awesome conversation with Kyle from Summerhouse. He was great. And we spoke to him about his lawsuits, which we've covered on our Instagram. He had a lawsuit with a distributor and then another lawsuit with his trademark. He he
0: knows his stuff. He knew all the facts of his cases, all the law. Kyle is smart. I've represented businesses and I've practice law for, what is it, like 15, 14, 15 years at this point, you can tell immediately when you talk to somebody if they're actively really involved in their business. And I actually know a lot about liquor distribution. And those laws are crazy, by the way. And it's difficult to get your stuff in new markets. And he really is involved in the business, knows what he's talking about, and is very, very smart. And he completely held his own in a conversation with two lawyers. So yeah. And then oh, wait, wait. Can I talk about Kyle's skin? We... Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so I, when I saw Kyle, he has amazing skin. And I think, Kyle, is Kyle my age? Is he, is he 40? Yeah, he just turned 40. Yeah. He just turned 40. So yeah. I'm looking at his skin and his skin is just flawless and glowing and perfect. It looks like just, and I'm like, and I, and the thing is, I'm like, all right how is this? This is so annoying. And I was like, "Sassy, I, I know this is dumb, but I want to ask him about his skincare. But I was like, I know I'm going to get mad because he's going to say, I don't know. I just splash it with some water. And then that's exactly what he said. He's like, I don't know. My, I was deciding whether or not to put moisturizer on this morning, and I did. So maybe that's why it looks nice. And I was like, of course, of course. But a great segue into talking about his lawsuit. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then we met Caroline Stanberry, and we met her twice throughout the weekend. And both times, she was just... A sweet angel. Like, she is so nice. And I think, like, on Ladies of London, at least, she has such a hard facade that I did not expect her to be so nice. But when we first met her, I think you were like, oh, we, we do a legal podcast, but we haven't, like, there's nothing in Dubai or whatever. I think she said something like, Dubai? And I was like, I guess we could cover all the legal issues in Dubai. But I don't know if that's what she meant. Yeah, And I was like, did I just, like, put my foot in my mouth by <laughs> saying, like... Yeah, we know Dubai has a lot of legal issues. <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of foot and mouth moments. Like when it, we met Kyle and he was like, oh, I've seen some of your stuff before. And I was like, oh, about your prenup. <laughs> and he was like, no, and then I was
0: like, <laughs> not about that. And we're like, your but other he, lawsuits. And he, he would have like, agreed no. with our post
1: about that. I was really good this weekend at making awkward moments. And then we want to shout out the other content creators that we met. It was awesome meeting Bravo Labs. It was beyond awesome meeting fans like what you guys want to meet us and get out of here so that was just multiple levels of
0: awesomeness you want to say anything about that you want to talk about Emily Baker but also we had a lovely interaction with a fan who's a law student that came up to us and said how we had helped her because she was had been really depressed in law school I'm almost ready to cry thinking about it because she's like listening to it just really helps and I just we put so much time and effort into these and to know that it's like, I actually do wish I had had a podcast like this to listen to when I was in law school. I think it would have helped. I mean, it would have helped me be less depressed. And so I thank you so much to that fan for coming up and telling us that because that really means a lot. And then on that note, I also want to mention Emily Baker and just say how fantastic she is because she's so supportive of her fellow women in law and her fellow legal content creators. And she is, absolutely delightful in person and just cannot say enough about how great Emily D. Baker is. And then we also met up in Adam. And good Lord, that man is beautiful in person. He is just <laughs> and then his, his fiance. I mean, it was hard
1: to look at a lot of people this weekend because everyone was so beautiful, but he, he was up there.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. And his fiance is gorgeous, too. Follow cadus right now. Richie, who runs Caduce, is wonderful. But also, I mean, I followed Caduce on my personal account before we started this one. And it is so funny. You don't have to take my word for it. Andy Cohen follows him. But he's he takes, like, cartoons and then perfectly inserts Housewives or other Bravo discussions in there. And it's it's so funny. It's just it's brilliant.
1: I was trying to find a message with him because he was with me when someone came up to me as well, another lawyer, and was like, you— inspire me to think of like law in a different way or something like that and he was like he was like do you realize you're inspiring young women that's a big deal and i was like you're right that is a big deal thanks richie i didn't even i i I know but like wow um but yeah really awesome we also met up with bravo bravo ducking bravo we've been friends with her since we started. Larry from Bravo by Gaze. He was my drinking buddy for better or worse last weekend. <laughs> Bravo historian who hosted a panel. Yes! Which, wow. So cool. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, awesome. Bravo by Brett, who I think was like the first account we followed ever on our account. And it's just been such a friend. So amazing. So amazing. Two Bravo sisters we met up with at the Beverly Hills panel. And when it was too chaotic for us, we ran away with them. To a different panel, which we enjoyed so much more. Sarah from Andy's Girls. We've been in contact with her for a while. Ryan Bailey loved meeting Ryan Bailey in person. So much fun. He's just such a joy. Face Reality, we got to meet her and her hat. That Bravo Gay and Bravo NATO. We had such a good time meeting you and hanging out. It was just nice seeing the face to the names on Instagram, but also having recognizable faces throughout the weekend that we could come up to and chat with oh and
0: last but not least amy phillips yes the star the queen she's so lovely and you guys get her book the book is called cook it spill it throw it i already owned a copy before we got there Sessie has a copy now it is absolutely so much fun if you want to throw a housewives party for your friends or whatever it's like it's adorable and it's super fun 10 of 10 recommend.
1: Yeah. And she hosted the Orange County panel. Mm-hmm. So she's crushing it. Some other Bravo labs that I want to shout out. Shiree. I met her very late on Sunday when I was too drunk. I was so and jealous. And she took so many photos with me to make sure that they looked really good. Like, so happy. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Shiree. We met you Gary multiple Gary. times. We did some shots with Gary. At one point, I bummed a cigarette <laughs> off of Gary. And... I am so embarrassed by this, but Gary had two lovely people speaking with him, and they had just happened to be at the hotel, and they had no idea who these Bravo people were. And so they're like, oh, Gary, you're on a show. And he was like, yeah. And then I was helping Gary explain his own show to these people because I'd had too many drinks. I was so embarrassed. (laughs) Like, why are you helping Gary explain his own show? <laughs> that was like the next day I was like, Oh my god, that's so cringe. I think
1: and then all I, the below deck people were so nice. So
0: nice. There isn't
1: an ego. Not at you all. You know, that I think they appreciate the the support, but also they, they have jobs. Like like apparently Gary had just gotten off a boat yeah. the prior week. So and Z was great, twerked with Courtney. I mean, just awesome times. So we're gonna cover one more lawsuit. As we wrap up our BravoCon, you want to kick it off?
0: Yeah. So to tie it into BravoCon, we did see multiple people from Southern Charm. Catherine Dennis is shockingly beautiful and tall. Shep and um, why am I blanking on the other guy's name? The one that- Austin. Yes. The one that screwed over Sierra. Austin. Uh are there. I mean- Also tall, so, but not Also beautiful. very tall. Oh, you saw Vanita and Sephora. Oh, yeah. You said yes, she was- but I don't watch, so. Just, yeah- Ceci was like, I saw this amazingly beautiful woman in Sephora. And then she described her to me and I was like, that's Benita. Okay, (laughs) so you guys have all been asking us about this Natalie Alindo lawsuit. And we were just going to make this a recap of our our BravoCon. But this has just come out. We want to cover it briefly now, read you some of the complaint, and give some thoughts so that we can go ahead and answer some of your questions. So this is a business divorce. This business divorce is, I hate trying to say French words, over the, the shop, Shop Le Bay, I don't know if I'm saying that right. I actually asked Google how to say it, and I still can't pronounce it. I'm not good with French words. But before we go into this, I just want to say this is just the complaint. We don't have Naomi's response yet. These are just allegations in a complaint, and this is just one side of the story. I will say just from the outset, there's looks to me like there's some pretty clear power dynamics here. One person has money, and that would be Naomi. And then the other person has a skill set and sweat equity. Have you looked at the shop, Ceci? I'm looking at it right now. I might buy
1: some stuff. The clothes are actually really cute. Yeah. So if I'm not talking, it's because I'm shopping.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Clothes are actually really pretty cute. And I I will say that the website is well done. This lawsuit has just been filed. It's brand new. Like I said, we don't have an answer. And it's between Virginia Cox, who's the plaintiff. And I think she goes by Jenny Cox. And then La... A-B-E-Y-E, LeBay, LeBay, LeBay. Did you say the business? Yeah, LLC and Naomi Olindo are the defendants. And so Ginny starts off the complaint by saying that she has, by training and experience, she's a, a retail fashion store manager and buyer, and that she graduated from the University of South Carolina with a bachelor in applied science in retail and fashion merchandising, and that she had managed several stores. So, I mean, she's got experience It says she's skilled in fashion buying, sales, and customer service, and that prior to the events alleged in the complaint, that she had never owned a business, nor did she have any experience with the financing, accounting, or legal intricacies of business organizations. Which, side note, this is why you invest some money in a lawyer to represent you when you enter into one of these arrangements. And then it says... Defendant Alindo, by training and experience, is a businesswoman having earned a master's in business administration with a focus on financial management from the College of Charleston, which I didn't know. I didn't realize that she had a business degree. What they're doing here is she's trying to set up the disparity in knowledge and skill set between the two because what she's wanting is to have... The court decreed that this was a partnership and that she's entitled to half of everything. And she's basically saying, look, there are misrepresentations made. It's reasonable for me to have succumbed to these misrepresentations due to my lack of knowledge, training and experience. And that this other person took advantage of that when they created the business arrangements. So in late January or early February 2018, Alino
1: met with plaintiff in Charleston, South Carolina, and asked plaintiff to partner with her in starting an online clothing store. Plaintiff had the experience and knowledge necessary, to, like she said before, to operate and manage a retail store. Defendant had experience with finance and marketing and told plaintiff they would make a great pair to open this business. Olindo offered plaintiff 50 percent ownership of the business in exchange for plaintiff's experience, skill, time and devotion to the new venture. Olindo would handle the finances and promote the business for her 50 percent share of the business.
0: All right. These are statements that are being made. This is part of her allegations. These allegations in the complaint don't have any links or footnotes to an exhibit that would show a partnership agreement, for example. It says, soon after the pair agreed to be partners, which is an important word, Jenny and Alindo met at Alindo's house to brainstorm names. I'm only bringing this up because apparently, even though Naomi speaks French, they ended up spelling the French word for be wrong, and that they would later realize the mistake at the launch of the business. I'm really bad at spelling, so I'm not shaming anyone, but I just thought that was an interesting footnote to put in there. It says that Alindo and Jenny Cox discussed setting up the business as an LLC and that Naomi told Jenny that their lawyer would draft an operating agreement for them to sign. And then it says that Alindo forwarded an email from the law firm that was representing Naomi to Jenny and that... There was a document titled the LLC worksheet. This email isn't included in any exhibits, but the LLC worksheet should say who the member managers are and who owns what percentage of what. It's interesting to me that this is a single member LLC that apparently Naomi set up and didn't include Ginny as a 50% owner.
1: Naomi secured a $50,000 loan from her father to provide startup capital. After securing the startup funds, Olindo and plaintiff went to Wells Fargo to open up a bank account for the business. Olindo told plaintiff that she could not include plaintiff on the Wells Fargo bank account because she owed her father this money. Olindo frequently used the loan from her father as a reason why profits could not be dispersed to plaintiff. Though Olindo continuously represented to plaintiff and others that plaintiff was an equal owner of Le Bay, upon information and belief, Olindo instructed attorney Brian Colley to set up the business as a sole member limited liability company in which she was the sole member and owner.
0: In the complaint, it says that she got forwarded an LLC worksheet, but it doesn't say that she signed any LLC documents. It says that Jenny had no knowledge of this false representation and then it says, upon information and belief, Olinda intentionally failed to disclose her partnership with Jenny to her attorneys. And that although Olinda agreed that Jenny would have a 50% interest in the business, failing to include her as a member in the LLC effectively and intentionally deprived Jenny of her legitimate interest in the business. 2018, 19, 20, 20, 20, four or 5 years. So I don't understand how she wouldn't know that she wasn't an equal member. But I'm not saying it's unreasonable because, again, we only have. small amount of information at this point. And we'll cover this lawsuit more if it continues to go on and if there's discovery and depositions and whatnot. But we just wanted to talk about it a little bit because there'd been so many questions. And essentially, it's a business divorce. Naomi is saying, look, no, I put in all the money. This is according to what's told here. I have all the rights to the LLC. And then this other person's like, well, I did all the sweat equity. I should be entitled to half and then you held me out as a partner and she mentioned several times Jenny does how Naomi has gone on multiple podcasts and events and everything and referred to her as a partner and that their email signature said co-owners and she has evidence that she it was reasonable for her to believe that she was a co-owner in this so the the I, the point that just to wrap this up her big issue is obviously that She wasn't getting half of the profits. She's invested all of this time in sweat equity. She's alleging that Naomi made misrepresentations to her upon which she quit her job and then began working full time for LeBay. And that after the relationship soured, that she got another job and Naomi has been interfering with her job prospects in Charleston. If that's true, that's bad. But again, we have one side of the story and we'll continue to let you guys know. What's going on as more stuff comes out, but this is brand new. All
1: right. Well, we'll wrap that up. I feel like this is our a little bow on BravoCon. Yeah. That three-day weekend, which was so magical. I feel like they should probably do it every other year. Yeah. Um, someone asked if I'd go back next year. Not right now. <laughs> I'm so tired. I'm so tired. <laughs> um, yeah. So... But yeah, we had a great time meeting everyone, meeting all of you, meeting other content creators. Just an awesome time. But yeah, thank you for listening as always. Bye, legal team.
0: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.
1: The Bravo Docket is part of the ACAST Creator Network.